Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. This is the after party of Game 5 edition after the Grizz win 111-109. to 109. I am your host, Daniel Greer, and today with us, he's our during-the-week boo. He is Nathan Qualls. What's up, man? Hey, I'm here to be that, that weekday call. Let's go. We're coming off of a win. The Grizzlies, wow. Uh, want to talk about a heart attack. This team, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about other than the game last night and just trying to figure out what happened. I have done my due diligence. I've actually I've done my full recording of a lot of the plays, and I've broken down Jaron Jackson Jr., I have some thoughts on him. We will definitely hit him. I also have some key moments in the game I want to hit on. But first, I want to go to you. I know you have a lot to say, and I know you have a lot going on about this game, whether it's the Timberwolves or the Grizzlies. First thoughts, give them to me. Well, first things first, talking about a heart attack, go look at my Twitter feed from last night. That'll let you know exactly where my heart was, at Memgris Homer, shameless plug. But I do want to get on. I want to talk about the Grizzlies mainly, man. That's where we are. Grizz 901. I love this team. This team is my heart and soul. But I need to get on a soapbox before we do that. Is that okay? Let's soap it up. Okay. I have to own that my Carl Anthony Towns hate agenda has been taking some hits the past couple of games. After I came on here and pretty shamelessly slandered him, he has made big shot after big shot, been the best player in these games. He has really shown up and shown the talent that makes him who he is. And so my shout out goes to Carl Anthony Towns for giving my hate agenda fuel to the fire by shushing the crowd last night. That is, we were just like on absolute embers. There was nothing left. And then he decided to and just spark the flame, shushing the crowd, and just gave us the front runner of the year type of stuff that I needed to keep this alive. So thank you to Carl Anthony Towns. Shout out to you for keeping my hate agenda alive. That's I needed that. It, I was on fumes. I love that. And what was he doing with that shush anyways? Like, that's not how you shush. That, that's like the, you, you got something, some kind of stink going around. You can't tell what it is. So you try and make sure it's not like on your upper lip. That's what he was doing. He wasn't shushing. He's like, like, what was that? Poor shushing form in the first place. But, hey, shout out. Do it again. I love it. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. Wow. So, one thing, behind the scenes, we had no clue how we are going to bring this in. Nathan wanted this to talk about. He had to talk about it. I didn't know what he's going to say. And I had to bring it back. Well, this is perfect because the first thing I wanted to talk about was the Carl Anthony Towns shush. Do you know the score of the game when he went to the shush of the crowd? 92 to 79. I do. It was 92 to 79, roughly nine minutes remaining, right? That was the the rough. I I didn't go back and look at that. I just remember seeing about nine minutes. 
Um, the rest of the game, we'll say, they were up fairly big, right? They're up 13. The rest of the game, from the shush on, 17 to 32. The Grizzlies outscored the Timberwolves 32 to 17. So you know what? Shush yourself. Get out of here. Like, that's where I love it. And I know this is our own agenda about uh, the Timber Pups and the Carl Anthony Towns and Patrick Beverly doing the too small. That is beautiful. And I'm so glad that Jaw stepped up. Without Jaw, that game last night just does not end the way it does. Like, he absolutely unlocked himself. The dunk, wow. Yeah, go check your timeline. We'll give you another shout. Memgra is Homer. Your cocaine joke. I was just reading through that again. How awesome is that? How awesome uh, were the the comments to your actual tweet? Oh man, I I loved it. Keep them coming. I was I was fully engaged with all that. I was feeling myself a little bit on this Twitter feed last night. I can't lie. I was I was going off. It wasn't just that tweet. There were some more that didn't get as much love that I was throwing <laughs> out there. But man, that one. I appreciate the engagement, and it's good to know I wasn't the only one having a heart attack in my living room that basically paced for 15 minutes straight after the game had already ended. So, yeah, that was uh, that was Grizz Nation last night. And, yeah. I mean, that was just a feeling of complete euphoria that I don't yeah. know if I've ever had. I mean, my father-in-law was texting me. I had to be careful with the things I was sending back and forth with him. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I've ever had this level of excitement in my life. But, man, yeah, next level. That was a next level feeling last night. Yeah, last night was crazy. So uh, I was running the Grizz lead Twitter account, at Grizz underscore lead, and I tweeted – I, I want to say I know I tweeted during the jaw dunk uh, when he went over Malik Beasley. But, honestly, I don't remember tweeting again probably the entire fourth quarter. And it wasn't that I didn't write a bunch of stuff. It's that I deleted everything – I said before I pushed sin, not because I was scared of what I was saying. I just got to the point where I didn't know what to say because either the Grizzlies were doing terrible and Carl Anthony Towns is shushing the crowd to where uh, Patrick Beverly is doing the too small to where the Grizzlies are now on a comeback. At that point, I'm on the roller coaster and I'm just riding. I'm becoming a fan. And that was so much more fun to me just becoming a fan and not really jinxing it in itself that I just kind of stayed um, far away from it because I didn't know what to say and I wanted to be positive, but also wanted to be honest. Uh, And I think some people can kind of, they can't understand there's two sides, like being honest and also being critical is still okay. You're still a fan. Those those go hand to hand. Um, So some people are kind of out on the Grizzlies fans that maybe got a little um, up in arms during that game, but it is what it is. That's part of fandom. That's part of going up and down, uh, I guess, you know, the game. It's crazy. Yeah, well, there's there's an abandon all hope type of thing that is going too far. And yeah. not even that. It's the when you start to really trash this team and forget that even though this Timberwolves team seems young and inexperienced, they're a lot older. Those guys have been in the league a lot longer than the guys on the Grizzlies have. They just haven't had – any success, right? The Grizzlies are experiencing really quick success. So I don't like the completely flipping on guys, but as far as criticizing, listen, I was out there saying, I mean, Grizz have killed themselves with terrible decisions. Jaron has to be better, which we'll get into that. Sure. I didn't love the rotations that were going on, but 
I mean, I said this a couple of times last night. I said, once the Grizzlies, and once everyone said, once the Grizzlies, once Ja, once this team remembers it's awesome, they'll be okay. But right now, they look like they think they are lucky to be in this game, right? They don't yeah. look like they think they belong. But between Jaron fouling out, I did not tweet between Jaron fouling out and Ja hitting the game winner. <laughs> I just didn't. I just stayed away from all of it. The same thing. I was like, I'm getting off of Twitter. I'm just focusing on the game. I'm just going to be here in the game. Because the same thing, like, what do you say? <laughs> like, right. there's, it's like there's such a roller coaster of emotions. I'm only going to say something I regret. So I just held on until the very end. But yeah, the criticism is very much so warranted. So I get all the stay on that side stuff. I made sure I tweeted at Skip Bayless to stay on his side last night after all the stuff he's been saying. But yeah, there's a difference between criticizing our guys unfairly and saying what they're actually doing poorly, which has been a lot this series. Yeah. Well, uh, I was looking through a lot of my text messages from last night and me and my buddy uh, were discussing the game and um, I was, we're discussing the refs, the free throws, uh, the threes. And I, I didn't say it was about the refs because I still didn't think it was. I felt like they were fine. Um, maybe the Timberwolves got the shaft on some of it, but the Grizzlies were being much more aggressive in the fourth. So, uh, I get that. Jaw's going to get calls. Uh, but at one point, uh, we started – he said something about uh, that they just don't look in rhythm and not talking bad about them, but he was just trying to explaining, like, what they weren't doing well. And then all of a sudden, the Grizzlies kind of caught fire. And so he just starts slandering them even more out of being just completely wanting to make sure we didn't jinx anything. So we just, we had the most fun talking trash about the Grizzlies by being, it was fake trash. But at one point he's trying to trade jaw for LeBron to the Lakers in a first round to get Bronny jr. Uh, get the Grizzlies, send the Grizzlies back to Vancouver. Like we're, we're going that far because it was, uh, it was so much fun. His last one, let's just surround this team with a crafty vet and we'll, we'll figure out if we're okay. We'll be much better without Ja. Like it was, it was a lot of fun and um, it, it just, it kept working. And so we just, uh, we just went with it. So good times, but all right. So let's get into the game. Let's break it down a little bit. Um, I'm going to say just pretty much there's two, two key parts in this game. And one was uh, in the very beginning, the Grizzlies went on a 13 to three run. And they looked like they had the momentum. They looked like they had the firepower. Um, and really, it was just kind of looking like they were themselves again, in a sense. Like, like still, Jaw wasn't himself, but the Grizzlies were flying around. They were hitting open shots. They were getting to the rim. They were playing defense. The Timberwolves couldn't hold on to the ball. And it was a different level of defensive intensity from that team. And so what happened then, 13 to three, there was a shot. And I will put this out on Grizzly at some point, breaking down every single foul of the of uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., but also the two blocks. I just want to show everybody and exp- and break those exact things down. But the way he closed out on Patrick Beverly, who was shooting 16% from three-point line at one point before he had a decent game shooting the other game uh, two games ago, I guess that was game four. He tackled him. He ran from underneath of the goal to a Patrick Beverly shooting a three, jumped so high, closed out so hard, he literally tackled him. He ran through Patrick Beverly. Not a good three-point shooter. He, 
he did okay. Jaron Jackson Jr. did that. From that point on, the Timber Pups, they went on a 9-0 run. And that game was back to square one. And at that point, it was up in the air. The Timberwolves kind of took over. And that was really the deciding moment. The other deciding moment was towards the end of the game uh, when Jaw had that huge dunk. They finally looked like they were getting a little momentum. They still looked like they were down. Even after the dunk, they were still down. The uh, Timber Pups came back, and they played much better. And then the Carl Anthony Towns shush, the Pat- Patrick Beverly, um, I guess the too small. And then right after that happened, who came back down? John Morant. John Morant came down, made that floater, little shot in the lane. He did the too small. And from that point on, that game was the Grizzlies. And that's where the 32-17 to 17 run came from. Yeah, and I'm going to have to eat crow a little bit because I've been here and as well as just in personal circles, big defenders of one Dylan Brooks and two Jaron Jackson. And the Jaron thing, I don't know if I we can get in that in a minute, but I do want to say, I, and I put this out there um, in the Twitterverse when Ja dunked on Malik Beasley, I, I tweet out there like, this is the moment Ja Morant remembered he was Ja Morant. And you saw that go, but that's like, that's yeah. like you said, they're hanging their heads even after that. And just like, we haven't seen that in this series. We, even in game two, when they blew him out, you saw a little bit of it, but it just seems like the Timberwolves have been the more confident team this yeah. whole series. And the Grizzlies are just going to go as Ja goes. It's sort of what they're going to do mentality wise. If Ja's hanging his head, the team's going to hang their head. And it's like all of a sudden Ja remembered, oh yeah, I'm awesome at basketball. And then he was awesome at basketball and the Grizzlies won. And so I'm hoping that mentality, that's a that's a switch that stays flipped going forward in this series and in the series beyond. It's like, oh yeah, we're awesome. Let's act like it. Let's believe we're awesome. Right. But as far as the Jaron thing goes, man, I'm I don't know. Like I've been a big Jaron defender, like I said, but there's some things that I'm just like, I don't know. That that those are the kind of fouls that you don't you don't that's not a summer that's not an off season of development to get a skill right that's just so dumb yeah and his fouls last night I mean there was there were a couple that were questionable I mean for the most part those are fouls man his sixth Mm -hmm. foul he was mad about it man why are you mad yeah that was a foul you clearly hit him on the forearm he fouled two three-point shooters neither one of them made any sense and I mean you I saw a quote from Brandon Clark that had some profanities in it. I won't bring onto this family podcast, but was like, he basically was had his hands. Down. I was like, Jaron, quit doing this. Put your hands up. God dang. Yeah. Like keep them vertical. And it's, I don't understand it for the life of me. Cause he did that for a, a three month span during the season when he was awesome. That was when he just took the league by storm leading the team the league in blocks doing all this awesome stuff. And then he just started going down again. And I don't understand it. You have to be smarter. You're actively hurting the team. And so I am by no means quitting on Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think he still should be an integral part of this team moving forward. But, man, there are certain things I'm like, when are you going to learn? You you have to know better by now than to do that. And yeah, he just doesn't, man. He keeps putting himself in bad spots. So I'll be the first to say he gets a bad whistle. But 
last night was not a bad whistle. And most of the series has not been a bad whistle. It's been Jaron being undisciplined. It's got to be better. Yeah. Yeah, there were uh, two fouls, obviously, the charging calls uh, that went not in the favor of Jaron. Uh, the first one, he has to pick his head up, right? And he cannot extend his arm. But he also did it and then just kind of stood there. Like, at this point, the referee has to call something. And he's thinking, okay, you, you ran him over. Uh, it was one of the first, um, I guess, few times down the court where Carthony Towns just slid over in front of Jaron because Jaron doesn't – he's not a fast driver. He's a slow driver. The same thing with Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. He is a very slow driver as well. He can do the exact same thing to him as he just did to him. And then he tried to later. He got the charge, drew it. They reviewed it uh, and actually flipped it, which was a little weird that they actually flipped that because yeah, it I shouldn't like have been. Um, I don't know. They're saying he wasn't in – his defensive, I guess, uh, spot where he should be, where he was still sliding over in front of him. I don't know. I think that's a, um, a call that can go either way in all honesty. And it sucks that they reviewed it and went in the, in the way of um, Carlton Towns because Jaron should not have got that foul. No, that should never have been overturned. If they had called it a block and foul, I'd have been okay with them keeping it a block and foul. I would right. have disagreed, but I would have understood. But since I called it a charge, it's a state of charge because – Jaron wasn't set, but he was in a legal guarding position. And it's the only other thing to do is completely olay it. Right. And exactly. he was in a legal guarding position. He, Carl Anthony Towns didn't stick that arm completely out, but he chicken winged it a little bit, stuck yeah. out a little bit. So I, I was really surprised I got overturned. But um, even with that, that first foul, the, the charge on Jaron for his first foul, that was a foul. It was weak. Yeah. I don't think it should be called. But like you said, he just stood there and sort of made the referees make a call right he made the officials make the call but i mean you just gotta know better than to get fouls like that right and yeah listen soft whistle on a couple of them but for the most part i mean just jaron it's just jaron it's on jaron it's not on the officials and i no one has hated the referees in this series more than me i have ripped them left and right last Mm. night was not a poorly officiated game i wouldn't say it was pristine but the officials were not a major factor in last night's game the way they've been the rest of the series. No, not at all. And, and I feel like it was it was refereed okay, right? It's obviously the the numbers are in the in the favor of the Grizzlies, so I will not be mad about that. Uh, but looking at the fouls, so you have the two charging fouls, right? One you took one, one he gave one, uh, and then he had the two three point closeouts where it was just stupidity. Like, why are you trying to block his shot? Like, jump from far out, see if you can catch it midair, right, and then land three feet from him if you really want to. Or just go under control with your hand up and he shoots over you. Perfect. You get back in there and get a rebound, okay? We're on those two. And then the, the Carlton Towns, his sixth foul where he hits him on the forearm, like you said. It was, it was soft, but it was still a shot. It was right in front of the referee. You're not getting away with that. I didn't think it was soft. That's a foul. He well, hit I'm him saying, on like the he, forearm. He barely hit him is what I mean. Like it was as soft as and he barely hit him, but it's a shooting. Like you're going to adjust the shot at some point. So you have to yeah. call it, especially right in front of the ref. I don't care if you barely touch him. You have to call that. But the two I want to uh, break down probably more than anything is the other two. I want to say it's uh, his foul three and foul five. And I know you're not going to keep up with it. The only reason I know about him is because I've actually went through them and clipped them and going to put them out on Grizzly at some point today or tomorrow. Uh, but just looking through them, he was trying to pretty much help somebody out 
it was a dribble drive and I don't know who the uh, driver was. It might've been like, let's say Malik Beasley, one of those, the, one of the role players. And he tried to get up in front of him. And when he, when he came around to the basket, Jaron just steps over in front of him. And instead of just standing there, putting his hands up, like you cannot shoot over me. I'm not going to leave the ground. I'm going to stand here. If you want to run through me, you run through me. It is what it is. It's going to get me a charge. No, he tried to meet him. And because he was running, Jaron took a step back. And as he was taking a step back, he tries to block his shot as he's shooting it and comes down with the arm and fouls him. I don't understand if a guy is going full speed and you can get there before he does, why can't you just stand there? It just it doesn't make sense. Or slide to the side of them because at some point that person knows you're sliding over and you're potentially there and you potentially could block the shot. And because that potential is there, because you are a great shot blocker, you need to use that to your advantage. And I think he forgets that maybe the scare of him being there and being close is just as good as him actually trying to block the shot. Like he can slide over a little bit. And as he's coming through, he's literally, his arms are going to be taller. Why don't he just jump, keep his hand above him. And if he ever shoots it, just slap the ball away. Very, very simple. Okay. That's, that's, that's the dumb one, but I get it. He's trying to challenge him and he's done that before. So I know it's going to happen, but the last one foul five was the worst. It was Torian Prince. And he had him out on an island, we'll say. And he did a couple dribbles back and forth. And then all of a sudden, he plants and goes to shoot. It was just a pump fake. He was right outside the lane. It was a a 12-footer at max. And literally, Jaron comes out of his shoes and jumps as high as he possibly can with his hands as high as he possibly can and jumps towards Torian Prince. And Torian Prince just stands there. In his little crouching mode, waiting for Jaron to kind of start coming down. And right when he's coming down, Torian Prince goes right up, runs into Jaron, and throws the ball up. And that gets Jaron his fifth foul. You literally just got pump faked out of your shoes for a 12-footer, a 12-foot shot by Torian Prince. And after that, Torian Prince turns around. He literally puts his, uh, his finger to his uh, temple as in the, hey, I'm, I'm, that's a smart play. I'm smarter. I'm using my head. And that's the truth. Jaron, he has to understand to stay on his feet. And if he does not stay on his feet, this is the way his career is going to go. He's going to be a disappointment. He's been a disappointment so far, and he will be outsmarted by other people if he can't figure it out. That's figured out behind the scenes, not during the game, behind the scenes. You discipline yourself. You have to do it, you know, off the court. There's really not much more to say. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. you have to know that. And the same thing, Cat got into foul trouble the same exact time Jaron got into foul trouble. Yeah. But Cat stayed in the game. Finch left him in the game. And Cat finished with, what, four fouls? Did he even get to five fouls? He had five, yeah. He had five? But that he was, was able to that stay. That last in, one came late. But he was able to stay in the game. And yeah. it's. All he did was, yeah, you're going to give up some buckets that you would normally challenge. That You just got to sort of olay it. But Jaron just has to know that. It's the same thing. He's, I get he is this 
awesome shot blocker. He has some momentum shifting blocks during the season. He had a good one last night against Jared Vanderbilt. He had he Great. has good blocks, but your defensive presence means more than your blocks. Like I, we talked, we had a pod earlier. I don't know if it was the series or if it was just towards the end of the year, but or the regular season. Sorry, but we were talking about Jaron was he only had a handful of blocks. This may have been game two, but he was in control and his defense was actually better than when he had seven blocks. I think this was game two. He had seven blocks in game one, like 16 minutes, something like that. Yeah. And then game two, he was able to play more minutes, only had one block, but was in control and was just his presence. That's what this team needs. This team doesn't need you blocking all these shots. Yeah. yeah a, an occasional shot block is going to be awesome, but man, just put your hands up. You're so long. It is so hard to score on you. Yeah. Just keep your hands up. I don't know why his hands ever go low. They should never go low. No. Well, and he should never leave his feet unless it's to block a shot at the rim. That's the only time he needs to leave his feet ever. And even that little calf jump, you're not launching. Like I know he's blocked a few threes doing what he did last night, but last night was just completely out of control. He he can't do that. He's but man, I would rather you not challenge those threes and give them up unless they're obviously in some critical situations than get a foul like that. It's just, you've got to be smarter and you can tell the team is tired of it Yeah, too. I'm glad to hear that the team is holding them accountable. Again, I'm far from bailing on Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. But at this point, it's an issue that should be fixed. There is zero reason for this to still be a problem. And it is. So hands up, stay vertical. Don't launch. Be smarter. You just got to be smarter. Yeah. Too talented to be wasting it like this. Yeah, both guys, like you said, Towns and Jaron were both in foul trouble. Uh, both ended the game with two fouls. Uh, one played 18 minutes, uh, and the other one, let me check, he played 35 minutes, right? They both had two blocks still because they were able to either – Towns was able to be in the game, but he still got the exact same amount of blocks that Jaron had. And, yes, 18 minutes with two blocks is much better. I like it. But if you doubled your minutes, you might have four because you actually learned how to block and not just be stupid about it. Carl Anthony Towns can thank Desmond Bain for relentlessly driving into a paint filled with four guys time after time for those blocks. I uh, Des has been awesome this series. I, by no means I'm on a trash Des, but no. when, when he went into that paint for about the fourth time and got blocked, I was like, Des, come on, man. Yeah, something was- else. He was trying to do everything he could, and honestly, he played 45 minutes. John yeah, I can't blame him. John Dez played 45 minutes last night. Literally, was out of the game for three. That was – it's amazing. But things like that are going to happen if you're trying mm-hmm. to do whatever you can to help this team. Uh, but that's – you know, the last thing I'll say on Jaron is the two blocks that he had were both help blocks. One of them was Jerry Vanderbilt, who his actually guy was. But he was in and out of the pain, dancing around, trying to um, not allow people to drive. He was trying to be that help side defender. And his guy got it. He went by him, but Jaron is always close. As long as you're a step away, Jaron can block your shot. And Jaron was a step away trailing him. He went up for the shot. And because he's so long and he can actually close out so well, much like if you think about football, the guy who is the safety he isn't right on you the whole time, but if he needs to close out and get in front of you for the interception, that's what happens. Exact same thing with Jaron. Anywhere within a step or two, 
he can easily block your shot. And they know that. That's why they don't drive as much because they know he's always there in his 18 minutes a game. So at that point, let the guy go past you, be to the side, but your hand is so long, you can still reach over and, and block the top of the ball. If he would try to block the top of the ball instead of blocking either the middle of the ball or trying to swipe it away from him, he would get less fouls because then your body is away and you're actually coming down to try to block it. And most of the time, he's taller. His arms are super long. He can get above the, the player and be to the side of him and still disrupt balls. Sometimes you don't have to block it to disrupt the shot. It's the same. You get the same outcome whether you block it or whether you disrupt it. So enough about Jaron. Um, he has to be better. And if the Grizzlies want to be – if the Grizzlies want to win this series – he has to be better because these next two games, Absolutely. I hope it's one. I hope it's uh, the game in Minnesota where literally they can walk off the court and shush the crowd and they can play their whoop that trick if they want in their car <laughs> ride home, um, if they want to feel like a, a Grizzlies fan. But that would be so rewarding. But they really do need more minutes out of Jaron. Jaron has to play much better. All right, the other two things I'm looking at, is the first quarter, the Grizzlies were outscored again in the first quarter. Uh, they did outscore them by one point in the second quarter, so that continues to hold serve. Looking at the third quarter, the Grizzlies got outscored again, but then the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies outscored the Timber Pups. Like, that continues to happen, but at some point, if you can jump on them in the first quarter, that's the recipe to success. You know the second quarter is important. You have to jump on them early, and I think they were, until those Jaron fouls, that, those were crucial. That's what I was about to say. They were. They were rolling in that first quarter. And it's there's been stuff that's come up in a couple of different games. One was they were rolling, then the officials started calling every little ticky-tack foul, and that put the Timberwolves uh, in, or gave the Timberwolves a momentum. But and then last night they had it, and then Jaron got his fouls, and that was that. The Timberwolves turned it around and got back into it. But, I mean, that's that's one thing that is – I guess encouraging as a Grizzlies fan in one way is we are still yet to see them put together even a solid half of Grizzlies basketball. Um, but it's, a, I mean, a little discouraging too, that it's become a, a theme. I mean, we're five games in and we haven't seen them play a full game yet. Yeah. At some point it's like, you have to not, I, I think that was what was so huge about Ja and what he did last night was all of a sudden you remember, okay, we're, we are this team. This is who we are. And now they've seen it. Maybe that, Again, that switch is flipped, but um, yeah, if they just play a full forty-eight minutes of Grizzlies basketball, this is a this is a clean sweep, right? It's they they would destroy this team. They are the better team, but you know, also credit to Minnesota. Minnesota is a yeah. tough matchup. I said it way, way, way back when, before even like the final stretch of the season. Timberwolves are a bad matchup for the Grizzlies. They've made it hard on them. Um, Grizzlies certainly aren't playing poorly just of their own accord, but yeah, at, at a certain point you've got to be able to put it all together. And again, Jaron, Jaron being able to stay in the game is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah. They, but they, yeah, they need to get the momentum early, get the momentum early. And that way I can just sit back and just sip a nice little Cabernet at the house instead of just going through bottles and bottles of Casamigos <laughs> trying to cope with watching what's going on. Shout out Casamigos. Um, shout out to the guys that um, played their butts off. Uh, Desmond Bain. Uh, we, I always want to give him credit. He has been the best player in the entire series from both sides by far. Dude is a dog. He's Love a, it. 
he is the future number two option on this team. Uh, we've always said that about Jaron in the future. Uh, who is the the number two? It's it's head and shoulders Desmond Bain. Is mm-hmm. Jaron important? Yes. Desmond Bain is now. I think he solidified himself through this series just itself as the number two option. Um, still struggling as Dylan Brooks, like you talked about earlier. Um, I don't I don't know what to say. His shot is off. He's not finding his shot. He's shooting ten three pointers. That can't happen. The reason he's shooting 10 three-pointers is because they know that he wants to get into the lane because he can't shoot right now. He has to figure out a way to come off screens and get deeper, maybe run the baseline, come up to the middle, do whatever he can. But I don't want to slander Dylan Brooks too much. He's playing very well defensively, Mm -hmm. and I think that will be his role in the rest of the series. And I I hope that he continues to – keep shutting down the players because he's shutting down now uh, Anthony Edwards. He shut down D'Angelo Russell in some parts of the game. He even shut down uh, Carlton Towns last night, which, yes. is, which is very crucial when they went small. So um, to shout out to uh, Dylan Brooks. But the last two guys I want to hit on, Brandon Clark, 21 points, 15 rebounds. I don't know if he's Mo- Moses Malone. I don't know if he's actually uh, Clark Kent, but he, um, he is Brandon Clark. Shout out Canada. Shout out to the guy who had nine, nine, okay, nine offensive rebounds, nine offensive rebounds. That is nuts. And the fact that he had nine offensive rebounds, and I believe seven of them, mm-hmm. I believe, came in the fourth quarter, which is yeah. just uh, ridiculous. But also, uh, Tyus Jones hit some big shots. Uh, Tyus Jones, highest plus minus, plus 12. He played a whopping seven minutes, seven minutes in the first half. That can't happen going forward. Seven minutes on this team in the first half can't happen. Obviously, he played 13 minutes, okay, 13, but 13 of the possible 24 in the second half. That probably should even be more. I would like to see him closer to the 30-minute mark. Uh, moving forward, I think he matches up well. I think he gives Ja a little bit of the break off the uh, the actual ball, uh, but he also is a great three point shooter. He's been a great point three point shooter this entire series. And that Tyus thing, looking forward at other possible matchups, may not be the move putting Ja and Tyus on the floor together. But right. as far as this series goes, the Grizzlies win when they have pace and when the ball is moving. And the ball never moves as well as when Tyus Jones is on the court. And so it's, I think it is far from an illusion that they are playing their best basketball when Tyus is on the court because he's got that ball moving around. Defensively, you can say they suffer a little bit, but you saw more of a concerted effort by Ja this past game to play better one on one defense. And typically with the Timberwolves, there are a couple of guys that all you have to do is rotate well and you can guard them pretty well, right? Like right. Torian Prince had a, a couple hot minutes last night, but you're not typically worried about him taking over a game, right? No. And so you aren't hurting defensively a ton having those two guys on the court together, right? Especially when you have that uber athletic lineup and Dylan Garden Cat and that working. And so, yeah, I mean, Tyus is awesome, but Brandon Clark, dude, he he has – sneaky dog in him dude like when on that jaw dunk my favorite part of that jaw dunk besides the fact that just should not be physically possible and got me jumping out of my seat 
was BC coming up, and he just stared down and screamed at Malik Beasley <laughs> after it happened. And I was like, oh, Brandon is built for this. Like, that, that is not something I saw come. I always imagine him as sort of this quieter guy. But we're starting to see a part of him come out that I did not yeah. know was there. And, man, he has been the MVP. Him and Desmond Bain tied for MVP of this series right. so far. I mean, unbelievable play. I I cannot say enough. Ja deserves all the flowers he's getting for that takeover last night. But yeah. Brandon Clark, man, unsung hero. Unbelievable play. I mean, can't say enough. You just can't say enough about what he's done, not just last night, but this series as a whole. Been yeah. awesome. Yeah, he, he's playing so well, and he's playing well at the right times. He's not doing too much. He's not fouling. He's still able to contribute uh, defensively, right? He had a block. He didn't have a steal, but he's still doing enough of a switching and taking away the drive where it makes him have to shoot the three. And if he ever is on Carlton Towns, he's able to switch. Uh, Tillman's doing a good job of switching on the perimeter. And honestly, they want to shoot the threes. And if they win, they're going to shoot well from beyond the arc. But how they get into rhythm is by getting into their two-point shots. And they're very efficient from two, usually. And so um, as long as they can keep that, you know, Carlton Town is not going to go five of seven again this series. He's just not. Uh, so I think that they just need to keep a hand up, keep closing out under control. That way he can't go by. And if he does, just step over and draw the charge. Uh, but the last thing on Tyus, he's eight of 14 from deep. That's, that's big. He had a bad night last night. I think he went one of four uh, from three. Sorry, one of three from three. Uh, that's still 33.3%. I'm okay with that. One of three is fine. I think he should take three, maybe four a game, take a couple of those from Dylan. Uh, but eight of 14 in the series just means he's shooting well. And he is, honestly, he's the guy that can just catch and shoot. And that's what you need surrounding mm-hmm. Jaw. So enough about game five. I know we don't have much about game six. The game is Friday. Make sure you check out the games tonight. The games tonight will 100% decide what time the game is. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, uh, but if you look at the games tonight, it's the Bulls-Bucks, and that is the, the game five as well. Could be a closeout game. Uh, the Nuggets-Warriors could be a closeout game. Both are actually up 3-1. The Bucks and the Warriors are both at home. Those are the two games that would be playing on Friday along with the Grizzlies. If both close out, I would imagine they would probably hold it off to maybe the 7, 7.30 tip uh, for, at Central Time. If for some reason the Nuggets were to beat the Warriors, then, then it would be the 6.30 tip, 6, 6.30, whatever time they would have the early tip. That way you could see both games, uh, their entire uh, games. So I don't know how those are going to go, but you'll see tonight after the games are over, if one, if not both clinch, you're going to see that, that game time pop up on the Grizzlies. I would imagine it's probably going to be a six th- between 6.30 to 7.30. I don't see it being a late game at all, and I would expect the Bucks to clinch tonight. So uh, stay tuned to that. I know that somebody had a report out of what could happen to where the game would be, uh, and so we might have that later on. But as of right now, I would imagine it's around 6.30 to 7.30 is to be the game time. So uh, getting into game six, the Grizzlies are favored by two points. I don't know what changes really just need to happen just yet. I haven't really sat down to think through entirely what to do besides the simple question. I'm sorry, the simple fact, simple statement of saying, 
if John Moran is that John Moran that was in the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies just do what you normally do, and the surrounding pieces will be to their best attributes. The Grizzlies, Desmond Bain, he has played out of his mind because he's had to. He's had to be the facilitator. He obviously is still loose with the ball. Dylan Brooks, he is trying to do too much because he's trying to step up for somebody like John Morant. Jaron Jackson Jr. maybe thinks he has to give too much of an impression on the game where he's getting himself out of his actual game and he's fouling too much. Brandon Clark is trying to do everything, and he's putting it all out on the line. If John Morant can play like he did in the fourth quarter, the rest of the guys can go back to their actual roles, and that's when they're the best. And so is it as simple to say John Morant plays the way he can and did in that fourth quarter, and the Grizzlies will look like a completely different team game six? Yes and no. Yes, because, I mean – you just saw the the swagger and confidence that was missing. I mean, I, I've harped on that a ton over the past 12-ish hours. But um, I, I think Jaron's got to be better, man. I just – if Jaron's not in the game, I worry. I worry. He, he has to be better just mentally. He's got he's to be better – not as much offensively, I, I think. I think they can live without him on offense. They just need his presence on defense. But – yeah, I think if Ja does what he did last game, a hundred percent that you'll see a flipped script. But yeah. um I also worry, you know, Ja's not a hundred percent. He just played forty five minutes. He's gonna have two days of rest. But listen, that's one of those things where if we're wanting to look forward, I don't necessarily want him having to take all that toll either, right? Like, yeah, like go be Ja. Go with that attacking killer mentality. We have to have that if this team is going to succeed. Like you said, not just looking forward, but in this series, we have to have that version of Ja. Do I want him to have to go drop 40, 50? No, I don't want him taking all that load, right? So I would love for Ja to not have to play 45 minutes again. But, yeah, I think we need that version of Ja. You get that version of Ja, you get a different version of the entire team because they're all brimming with confidence. So, yeah, you get the script flip, but I still think Jaren's huge factor in this. Um, although the small ball they played at the end of the game last night, I'm very interested to see if they decide to, to stick with that. And, like, the, the, the Dylan on Cat move was – it worked awesome last night. What happens if Cat decides he wants to get down low? I don't know. But in that case, maybe Jaren's not that much of an X factor. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's – there's a lot of technical adjustments. I think mainly it's as simple as this team needs to believe it's awesome. If Ja believes he's awesome, this team will believe it's awesome. So I'm with you for the most part. I, I have some exterior concerns that sort of make that a total make me sound like a total bummer. But um, in general, if Ja is Ja, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. So looking at the uh, the numbers, the minutes last night, they mainly played eight man rotation. John Contra had three minutes, which. Conchar looked good for the three minutes. And, I, and I'm not trying to you know blow that out of proportion. I think he looked well. He had a rebound and assist. He's going to move the ball. He's going to pass the ball. He's going to give you, you know, uh, solid minutes. Uh, Zaire Williams did, could not return to the game. He was kind of injured. I think it was knee soreness. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him. I wouldn't expect that he comes back and plays. Um, so looking at that, I think it's a three-man rotation. I think Melton – is going to be out of the rest of the the DMP probably next game. He was just a DMP. 
I would probably go Conchar as the extra guy if you need it to fill some minutes. But realistically, Kyle Anderson has played well enough. Like he's doing just the little things. He's not, he, he's just not going to win the game normally. He's just going to keep the other team from looking like they're awesome. Like he keeps you doing enough. He does enough to make you just kind of keep at bay. But just looking at this, Jaron Jackson had played 18 minutes. Xavier Tillman, 16 minutes, and they were still close enough to an eight-man rotation. I think this stays the same way. I would probably change Steven Adams for Xavier Tillman. That's just me personally. I, I don't think that they've looked good still. And Xavier Tillman, just like the, the switch to go small on them, those adjustments bring about other adjustments. So when Xavier Tillman came in the game in game two, they didn't have an adjustment for him. Game three and four, they had adjustments for him. Game five, adjustments for him. He has not looked well since game two. So they've adjusted. What I would think about doing is act like you're, everything's going to stay the same. Nothing's different. You play Xavier Tillman, and then the next time Xavier Tillman's supposed to play, I play Steven Adams. Just to throw a wrench. Because then, let's say Steven Adams does well, and you get to the third quarter and you play and you start Steven Adams and then they figure out, oh, we know what to do with him. We're going to adjust. Well, fourth quarter comes around. You put in Xavier Tillman back in and then they go, we have to do another adjustment to our other adjustment. And then you're adjusting the adjusting adjustment. You know what I mean? You're just adjusting the adjustment. I, I'm with you. you. I just <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> I want to see. I think I want to see Adams getting minutes again. Like I said, I think it's a little forced to keep him out when Tillman sort of became his minutes have just gotten decreasingly effective. But I just I want to see them maximize Brandon and Jaron minutes together. You know, I that that job Bain, Brooks, Jaron, BC lineup, in theory, maybe Tyus right now, um, instead of somebody in there, but that's your best lineup. So I just I wouldn't mind seeing Brandon start and then bring in Adams off the bench for spot minutes, but just maximize those minutes, man. Like that's your best lineup. You are basically win or go home at this point. I mean, you've got two games, but you want to close it out ASAP. Go play your best guys minutes together, you know, and it it feels like Brandon helps to cover up some of Jaron's deficiencies because he's got such great verticality that he can, he can defend some things that normally we would rely on Jaron to come over and use his length to defend. But I just want to see those minutes maximized. Um, I'm with you. Make some adjustments. I think getting Adams back into the game would be good because at some point in the series, you're going to need him to to play. And I don't necessarily like bringing him completely out of the fold, but um, we'll see that the small ball worked really well last night. I thought Taylor made some really good adjustments after sort of struggling to find something. So I'll be interested to see what they do. I I have officially no idea what they will end up doing. I I do think they'll shorten up the rotations. Like you were saying, they'll keep it pretty tight. But um, other than that, I don't know. I I do have this little itch inside of me to advocate for Melton, but I'm not going to, I I just can't find it. I can't find it. I, I, he just, I mean, you hate to lose everything he brings, but you're not necessarily getting it from him right now. So I won't go there, but 
it pains me to not. I'll just leave it at that. Well, I, I just I look at the game last night. The Grizzlies needed a, a momentum swing. They needed somebody to do something, and that's a, I guess the play on his Mister Do Something. And they didn't go to him. If you didn't go to him last night, you're not going to him in game six. I'm just being very honest. Unless there's an injury, you're not going to Melton. And and he hasn't played well enough. And that that does not say if the Grizzlies were able to pull off a series win, okay, that does not mean that he's out of the next series. Just like Adams. Adams might not play another minute in this series. And and honestly, I would probably expect that. If it was me, I would I would go back to it just to to throw a wrinkle into the game plan of Chris Finch, who uh, doesn't think the Memphis crowd is that good, uh, doesn't think the Grizzlies are that good, uh, doesn't understand where the coach's box is. Desmond Bain helped him. He was being very nice and gentle. He barely pushed him. Uh, but it was a um, it, it was an adjustment, I think, that would that they would have to make. And I don't know if Chris Finch is the guy for adjustment. I really don't. And I guess – the title of this podcast is going to be adjustments. I'm here for, I don't know. I was going to throw in something about a cat agenda, but that's okay. Let's not, let's keep the focus on the Grizz. Yep. No. So um, I figured I'd make that joke, but um, I don't have much more. And I know we went on way too long, but is there anything else that you have on this team going forward? Because I, I really do think the, the game plan is going to stay the same. I don't know why it would change at this point. Like it, if it didn't change in game five, I don't expect it to change in game six. The Grizzlies have two days off, all right? If they were to win, uh, what would be – when's game seven? Is that Sunday? Do we know? I don't even Not see sure. – I don't even see it on here. So, I guess – I'm guessing it would be a, probably a Sunday game uh, more so. than likely. Uh, but either way, the Grizzlies are very much in control. What do they need to do to get the win – and why is it John Morant? <laughs> That's basically what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, just remember you're awesome. Just remember you're awesome. Go out and don't get punked, man. They've been letting themselves get punked and outswaggered by the Timberwolves. All series minus probably three and a half total quarters. And in those three and a half total quarters, they have just beat the piss out of them. So, yeah, John Morant, remember your John Morant. Grizzlies, remember that you're awesome, and you'll go in. And I, I do want to say one thing. I've been seeing a ton of stuff out there about um, not necessarily from Grizzlies Twitter, but just NBA Twitter about the Grizzlies struggling with the seven seed. This is a tough matchup. So I, I do want to throw it out there that the Grizzlies are battling through what is a tough matchup against the team that is sort of built to negate the strengths of the Grizzlies. And two was what the, the highest scoring team, at least over the second half of the league or the second half of the season. And they've held them under 120 points every game, except for once. So the Grizzlies are battling against a good seven seed. This is not just your run of the mill. Uh, what would you say? Atlanta Hawks, something like that, right? Ooh. They're, they're playing well. So um, ha- have a little faith, I guess, NBA Twitter. I think Grizz Twitter is, been struggling, but still staying on the boat. But um, yeah, have a little faith in this team. They're they're playing hard. They're figuring out. They're crazy young, much younger even than this team that seems young. And um, I, as much as I've been frustrated and pulling my hair out, I'm proud of them. And I'm I've been proud to see them battle. So 
Don't remember you're awesome. You're yeah. awesome. Be awesome. Be yeah. Tom Moran. I like it. Uh, go remember you're awesome. Uh, that's that's literally that's it. Uh, this team has not looked like themselves. They have not looked like they've had any swagger. Uh, maybe game two uh, in the grindhouse when they were able to look like themselves at times and they kind of got off for a little bit was probably the only time I've really seen them look like they were just, you know, awesome. And so hopefully uh, the Grizzlies can figure out game six from the start. If they can start like they did game five and Jaron not foul Patrick Beverly on a closeout and tackle him, um, I, I believe that this game and that game would have been different. But this game in game six is is just going to be a game where they look like themselves again. And that really they could use it. You know, if they were to win that game um, on Friday, I believe they would have a week off before they play again and it'd be the next series. But but here's to game six. I'm not worried about anything else. I just want to get through this series because it's been a battle. And I was thinking last night of how depressed I was going to be if they lost game five. I really was. I, I was sitting there thinking this is I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the ride to be over. I'm just not like I'm not ready to stop podcasting and take our little two-month break. I'm not ready for that. My wife, yes, I am not ready for that. And so I was kind of not in my feelings, but I was sitting there thinking like, this is, this is not fun. This is not what I'm, what I'm wanting and expecting. So um, I, I, just, I just hope they figure out themselves going game six. So uh, that's all we have. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for uh, the people who have been on Twitter spaces, rocking those out in, uh, in the Grizzlies community. It's been so much fun. Uh, you can check out Nathan at uh, Mem Grizz Homer. Go check him out there. Follow him there. Uh, you can see his salty takes and uh, his roller coaster ride during the game. Uh, you can follow me at Daniel Greer. If you don't know how to spell my name, please don't follow me. But make sure you always follow Grizz Lead at Grizz underscore lead. Uh, go check out the podcast network. We have that over there. There's a show a day, every day, but Thursday. Uh, if you're a WNBA fan, the WNBA podcast is going crazy right now. They are blowing it up uh, in the WNBA community. So if you are about to follow along the WNBA season, go check it out there. Uh, but that's all we have. Here's to game six. I don't know if we're doing another podcast before uh, the game on Friday. Today is Wednesday when we're recording this. I don't know if we're doing another one uh, or not. So stay tuned. I might release one randomly if I can get with Ryan and we'll try to break down the game and what his thoughts are. He has a lot of thoughts. I can promise you that. Uh, his text message uh, was a roller coaster in itself as well. So, uh, But stay with us. Uh, if you don't do anything else, be nice and tell your friends. <laughs>